Honey, mommy has to get to work. If I'm late one more time, Mr. McDonald is gonna can my ass. Will you get in the car? Okay, come on, let's go get in. Mom, a clown. Yeah, yeah, a clown. Uh -huh. Oh, hi. Hi. I'm gonna have to be taking your car today. See, I have some top secret clown business that supersedes any plans that you might have for this here vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> What's that about clown business? <laughs> I stutter, bitch. Jamie, get in the car. Lock the door. Where the hell are you going? Damn it. Don't you never turn your back on a fucking clown when he's talking to you. Fucking hands off of me! <laughs> What's the matter, kid? Don't you like clowns? Why? Hey. Don't we make you laugh? Aren't we fucking funny? You best come up with an answer, because I'm going to come back here and check on you and your mama. If you ain't got a reason why you hate clowns, I'm going to kill your whole fucking family. All right, now get your fucking ass out the car. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb and this is my co-host Mike. We continue our month of horror with... <sighs> okay, let's pause for a second. Let me talk about the <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I, it's my okay. it's my favorite horror film, I think. Uh, I, I think if somebody told you that that is the best horror film, it would be hard to argue. I think there's a, there's a Mount Rushmore, uh, if you were to make one, I guess. Uh, I would put that one right on there. It, it's one of the best. And... When I saw the film for the first time, it was very disturbing. I, I recently saw it. Uh, there was a showing a couple of Halloweens ago, and uh, it was a, it was for the 4K restoration. It was an amazing. The, the sound especially was tremendous, and it's a film that is relentless. Once our poor heroine is, especially when she's captured, that entire like last act is just horrifying. Not for one second uh, while I was watching this film was I like, boy, I would just love to live in that world. That's where I want to be. Fast forward to a couple weeks ago, I'm watching Eli Roth's History of Horror, kind of a fluff uh, TV show. It's just a bunch of famous people talking about their favorite horror films and, and uh, doing it uh, weekly uh, through like topics like vampires and zombies and so forth and texas chainsaw massacre comes on and eli roth is having a discussion with rob zombie and rob zombie mentions texas chainsaw massacre and i was like all right well this guy has good taste and then he goes on to say boy i just want to live in that world that's where i want to be that's my cut and i was like ew all of a sudden his filmography makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking the 2005 Rob Zombie film, The Devil's Rejects. I have not seen 
the first one, House of a Thousand Corpses, and I have not seen uh, Three from Hell. I think that's the end of this series. I Have was you? initially hoping that you had seen um House of a Thousand Corpses uh after your little uh you know two minute uh drill there uh to to hate on Rob Zombie and explain why we will hate <laughs> this film for the next twenty minutes. Uh not as much because I don't want you to be in, in pain. I don't want to put you in pain. Uh I will claim responsibility for this one um and I guess the the trilogy, the the theme, when we reveal it uh, at the end of this month. Now you're responsible for Cycle Two, and I feel like you gave me a gift, a gift that I was somewhat dismissive of because I'm like, eh, I don't really remember it. But yeah, five bucks, why not? Uh, but because of that, I'll then <laughs> put the point back on you that usually you give us a starting point, so I have some sort of parameters. And so I do think the Devil's Rejects makes sense as far as what our ultimate theme is for this month. Um, but because of that, I was going to come at it in the sense of I'm ignorant to this. I'm going to plead ignorance uh, to the reasoning for it being here. I'm not going to do a lot of research. So, no, I this is my first dabble, not with anything Rob Zombie related, because I think I saw was it Lords of Salem. Uh, I feel like his unfortunate not unfortunate wife. I'm sure she's nice and she's beautiful, but uh, an unfortunate lead actress whenever she shows up. Uh, it's a poster of her in like dreads and like white face paint or something. I don't know if it's a deal with witchcraft or whatever. I saw the damn thing. It was unpleasant. <laughs> Is this more or less unpleasant? I think the, uh, the characters here are more unpleasant to be around, but from what I gather, uh, this was his attempt to broaden, I guess, like his uh, horror palette. He was trying to do like this road movie, even though the characters, they don't really go anywhere. It just seems like they go to one empty lot to the next. It looks like <laughs> it's, you know, very, uh, I'll go back to Kevin Smith. If they just like move the camera to the left, it's like, there's the hotel, <laughs> there's the family's house. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like this is some sort of sweeping, uh, thing where it's like, Oh, look at the landscape of the American West. And man, the, the use of fucking, Freebird. Uh, I will forever forgive any hate I've ever directed at Roberts and Meckes and his use of that song in Forrest Gump uh, because he was on point with it there. This <laughs> this might actually appeal more to the fans of that particular style of music as far as how they look and carry, carry themselves. <laughs> but... <laughs> but it's just so on the nose that it does make me question... I guess you've done a, an accurate job of representing Rob Zombie as far as like his taste is so misguided or even the stuff that you and him can share an affinity for his reasoning for liking it. It's suspicious uh, at best, not a good selection web. <laughs> I think I made my case that somehow this is your fault again. I get it. Like this film has a cult following. There's no doubt. Stephen King, I think loved it. And I, I understand. His taste is also out <laughs> oftentimes when it comes to when it comes to pop culture. He has some curious choices. Uh, I did forget to mention in last week's episode that uh, Quentin Tarantino also kind of has that similar bent. Greatly preferred Psycho Two to Psycho. So I'm not I'm not saying Stephen King's a bad dude or Quentin Tarantino. It's just they're not always trustworthy with other people's work and recommending it. Right and. If this is your cup of tea, I would imagine that 
this film is better made than House of Thousand Corpses. Even from the few clips that I've seen, it seemed like, okay, Rob Zombie's becoming a more confident filmmaker. But yes, it's a combination of the content, the setting, and just the filmmaker's uh, personal taste that I'm just like, yeah, none of this is working for me. Uh, the story in and of itself, you know, you're, I guess, protagonists are the antagonists. So you've got uh, three or four anti-heroes that are torturing these innocent individuals. And, you know, the horror genre can be pretty nihilistic. And, and it's a way to explore some of the darker aspects of humanity. But these characters, the Firefly family, they're not relatable in any way. You're not exploring anything about the human condition through these violent acts. So... From the beginning of the film uh, until all the way to the end, I'm just like, boy, I, I don't know at all what I can latch on to here. You know, if you're into the southern fried horror, you know, whatever this is trying to be, I, I don't know. Such, such distaste on Webb's face. <laughs> oh, like Rob Zombie just came and like farted in the room in your podcast recording studio. Uh, my issue with the the three, I guess, uh, anti heroes, if that's if that's what uh, the conclusion Rob Zombie is coming to by the end of this film, I I'm looking at the uh, IMDb credits and I'm noticing, uh, you know, obviously directed by Rob Zombie, it says writers Rob Zombie, comma Rob Zombie. Is he <laughs> is he getting <laughs> a double dose of acclaim or hate for this? <laughs> I don't know. But yes, the three uh, lead characters, think of them what you will. Uh, Captain Spaulding is the clown, who I only recognize from, I guess, the poster of House of a Thousand Corpses, his face. Otis, played by Bill Mosley, and then Baby, uh, unfortunately played by Rob Zombie's uh, wife and, I guess, creative partner, Sherry Moon Zombie. Uh, my biggest issue with them is uh, I'm fine with... Well, I'm not. I'll admit, okay, I'm I'm not really one for... Um, films about following around like a sociopath necessarily uh, and just reveling in seeing someone do despicable things uh, to other people. But I have seen films about criminals and I have to like, you know, I don't tend to have that problem when I watch Michael Mann's heat. That's like, Oh God, uh, Robert De Niro and Val Kilmer. They're, they're horrible. They're going to shoot these innocent people just to make money. I don't, see those characters reveling and how disgusting they are. And we open with these three with this clown having a wet dream of sorts. And even in <laughs> yeah. his, his version of a wet dream, it's, it's pretty fucking low rent. It's like, none of this is appealing <laughs> at all. And it's like, God, that's his fantasy life. Um, they're not imposing villains either. Like they're, you, you think of something like funny games where the film clearly telegraphs that these uh you know young republicans or whatever they're supposed to be with their like sweater vests and uh polos and the blonde hair you pretty quickly ascertain that uh they're going to win no matter what that for whatever reason they're in total control of this poor family that they're terrorizing i was about to give this film credit that the devil's rejects if we remove these characters from their their house where these i don't know victims are trapped or brought to to be tortured and killed that when they're out in the world they can fail and their fuck-ups 
because they do fuck up a lot. Um, yes. You have the character of Otis. He allows, he takes two men out to the middle of nowhere to go acqu- help them acquire guns. And then even in that little plot, I'm wondering like, wait, you're going to take two people that you've kidnapped to help you load weapons into your car. I was like, you're going to give them access. And before we even get to that point, he is hitting the back of the head with a piece of <laughs> wood with like a board that's laying around. And I was almost into the movie web when I thought, Whoa, Rob Zombie's going to show if this is from the perspective of the villains that they can be in peril here just by any random person that they terrorize. No, he tries to glorify them in some way, even though you have this fat, disgusting clown Somehow they're always maintaining or gaining the upper hand again, even though they're idiots, they're dumb, incestuous trash, yeah. uh, they're out of shape, they're not physically imposing, they're not mentally imposing. Uh, I would have liked to s- at least one scene where they start that clown starts talking shit and someone just beats the crap out of them <laughs> just in the parking lot. Like he tries to steal this woman's car and she shoots him in the kneecap, and that's like <laughs> the, he never makes it, never makes it to the the hideaway, makes it to the hotel. So I don't get this at all. I don't have these characters become iconic in any way? Because you mentioned there's a third film, but it didn't come out to like 14 years later. So, right. Well, who likes this? That's my more blunt question. Who is a fan of this? There, there is a fan. Uh, I know somebody is a fan. (laughs) It's Rob zombie, comma, Rob zombie. Those are the two fans. (laughs) Even Sherry moon is like, Oh, you know, you mentioned the anti-heroes and, and like why we're watching them. What's the point? It's like if you're anti-hero and you're a despicable character, I mean, you look at other horror films like Child's Play to the point where Chucky and Freddy and some of these iconic villains have a weird charm and personality to them that I can understand. Like we're not. Well, I guess we're, we are actively cheering for Freddy to be creative with his kills and for Brad Dorif to say something <laughs> you wouldn't expect come out of a tiny doll. So there is that uh, novelty, and there's none of that in this film. Um, I, I think there's supposed to be humor in it, but I think it's just a swing and a miss all around. And I, I don't know what else to say about this other than, like, I can't be objective about it because I, no, the the taste factor is just not there for me and for you let me ask you something though what about zombies other work like like halloween what did you think of it did you even bother with those two films i did i did a uh, podcast on <clears throat> the first uh his first halloween because there's two right i yes. think he got a sequel because I, I remember the first one i think having a pretty big opening weekend um and um, I didn't did he try to get into the uh, the origin or the the mind of Michael Myers? Uh, yes. Which to me misses the point. I'm not. I mean, I'm not holding against him because if you're gonna make. You know, my wife even asked me last night as we record this on the weekend of Halloween Kills, how many are there? And I'm like, I don't know, eleven, twelve. I who knows. Um, I'm not knocking him for that because you eventually do have to do different things. And as we talked about in our Cycle Two episode. You make enough sequels, suddenly you end up doubling back, you retcon, whatever. But it's just not for me. Like, if you're telling me, like, the, uh, you know, why Michael Myers does the things that uh, uh, he wants to do, I I don't care. It's just of no interest to me. Uh, Which kind of goes back to the the point. Like, it seems like, at least for you and I, the things that Rob Zombie's interested in, what he gleans 
from these horror films that we all can sort of agree on. What he digs about them is not what I dig at all. So it's just not for me. Exactly. I completely agree. And with his Halloween, that first 40 minutes or so, like the origin of Michael Myers, and you see him as this weird kid with a really weird family, That that is the Devil's Rejects, like all over. That has that all over, that same style, that same kind of a, a white trash family and the dynamic that you could see, like one of those characters. Like that kid, he became Mike Myers in his film, and that kid could have easily become, you know, the fucking clown in The Devil's Rejects. So Zombie operates in this very, very narrow window. Like he's got a fan base. I don't see him finding mainstream success with any of his work, but he's got that diehard audience, just like Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith did find mainstream success eventually, and he's able to, because just he he's a good writer in that way. I, I'm not so sure anymore if he's interested in doing something like that, but he's he has his followers, and that's who he's going to cater to. And I think that's where Rob Zombie resides, and is comfortable. I, I honestly, I don't even know if Three from Hell uh, and th- and Three from Hell came out before the pandemic. But I remember the Devil's Rejects did make a bit of a splash. That popped up on my radar because plenty of people were like, "Oh, you got to see this! Uh, it's such a step up from uh, the first film." Well, see, that's the thought I had as well. That this is the movie that got him the the keys to Halloween, and then he it looked like he was sort of becoming a mainstream mainstream horror filmmaker in a way. And then I guess after Halloween two, uh, not, not so much, but, uh, uh, yeah. So I think even, um, Sherry moon zombie says she didn't even consider this a sequel to house of a thousand corpses. It's just like another adventure with some of the characters from that film. Um, but yeah, three from hell. I didn't know there was a third one. Um, even though this show is called, uh, you know, has trilogy in the name, I have no interest in seeing what happens further, uh, to, to these characters. And I think you're, you were kind of saying even with it being pre pandemic, uh, that it seemingly just came and went without much of, if any reaction to it. So, um, but that's, that's difficult, right? It's difficult. Like, uh, we often see it with, I think comedy sequels, uh, horror sequels, they usually you actually get them every year, every other year until inevitably they have to reboot it. It's rare that you're seeing this trilogy set in this world that has taken place over 20 years and they're always using different titles. There's something, I guess, respectful of that, that he's looking at these as individual pieces. I just wish the, <laughs> the movies themselves were better. <laughs> right. And the first one, House of a Thousand Corpses, made its money back like overnight as soon as it came out, because it was such a low-budget film, and the sequel got greenlit right away, you know. I think Lionsgate or whoever uh, released this immediately called up Zombie, like, yeah, make another one, and he did. And that one, again, higher budget, but still made its money back. The third one, $3 million budget, $2.2 million box office return. That's one thing about horror sequels, is generally, they make their money back, because there's that audience already... The charm of a good horror film, and or even a not one, is like the low budget allows the filmmakers, the actors, everybody to be just a bit more creative with how they present uh, the content. And so, I, I I'm not going to be visiting <laughs> Three from Hell or uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, so I'll never really know because again, it is interesting. 
Uh, it appears to have a 58% on Rotten Tomatoes compared to Devil's Rejects 55. Wow. However, the audience score for Devil's Rejects is 78% compared to 57% for Three From Hell. Uh, the number of reviews and ratings pretty slim, too. 38 critics reviews for Three From Hell and only 500 plus in the audience score. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry to Mr. Zombie that uh, I doubt there's going to be a prequels and sequels trilogy to his <laughs> House of a Thousand Corpses <laughs> saga. Nor, nor um, are we going to get any remakes. Like, there's nobody who wants to remake this stuff. <laughs> the one review I'm I'm seeing for three, 3 From Hell, which I think sticks out to me, is uh, it's a splat. The coolest thing by far is the inclusion on the soundtrack of three songs from the James Gang's 1973 Bang album. Okay. Uh, awesome. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it just occurred to me. I opened talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And the film that maybe he's trying to emulate more so than that one is Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Have you seen that one? Nope. I would say look into it because uh, Hooper didn't... I don't know if he was that enthused about doing a sequel, but they ultimately decided to. And it's like, how am I going to do this? And so he took a complete left turn and decided to make it a weird horror comedy Maybe by accident, but you cast Dennis Hopper in a role and you're going to almost always get something very special, if not something that's turned way up to 11, if not 12. So I would say give Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 a watch just to have it in your <laughs> letterboxed profile that you've seen it. <laughs> it is very odd and it's not without merit. And I feel like that's where Rob Zombie is trying to be, but he can't, <laughs> like, I, I feel like he has aspirations for Texas Chainsaw 1, but he can't even quite do Texas Chainsaw 2. I, I like that you have framed it as something else to check off and put into the official uh, at projecting film letterboxed like, reviews, which um, I don't know about you, but I mean, we're obviously old enough that our heyday of probably watching a lot of films, especially when you're first getting into it in your teenage years and you have way more time because you uh, are not responsible for your own income just yet. I can't imagine the numbers you and I would have put up with streaming services as yeah. far as just consuming content. Um, but do you ever feel bad? Um, you probably don't because I don't think you're as... Uh, uh, particular about your letterbox account as I am. Like I want to make sure I get the dates right and all that, what service I use. I like have all that information. There are so many movies that I'm logging like, Hey, there's Mike watching uh friends with benefits for the third time. Uh, that's funny. He's never watched vertigo before. That's like, there's so many <laughs> things that I watched when I was younger. So many classics that I've just not doubled back to. And it just looks like, it's very strange what the films he chooses to to put on his letterbox account, but there's so many that are missing on there. Uh, Rear Window, I don't I don't know if I have that one logged, but uh, I'm just looking at the web's posters behind him, and it's like I do wonder: do I throw in like some classics? Do I just try to like you know balance it out with the the trash that I consume? You know, when I was in my heyday of consuming as much content as possible, and when I got stuck on a film that I was like, "This is amazing! I'm going to watch this like every fortnight." There was a time, there was a time, I think it may have lasted for like three, four months, where every two weeks I watched Orson Welles' The Trial, and I was like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. I was like, I can't even imagine watching anything 
every two weeks over and over uh, at this point in my life, which is not a good or bad thing. Well, I guess it's good because I'm a child. But, yeah, it's just funny to see uh, the road that we've taken and where we are now. We try to get our comforts where we can. I mean, that's why eventually, Webb, the trial was <laughs> replaced by long <laughs> long looks at Guy Ritchie's filmography <laughs> repeatedly over and over. <laughs> Looks like Webb has logged uh, Snatch seven times in three days. <laughs> it's an interesting point that you're making about Zombie, though, that uh, maybe he favors the, I don't know, less respectful sequels. Uh, and he, like, he, he seems to proudly want to present this, especially with Devil's Rejects, this sort of blue-collar aspect to the genre. Uh, like I said, with the the trashiness, the, the use of, of Skinner and the sort of like the road movie, like, you know, that, that these characters are, I suppose we're so sick that it's like, they are truly free. And it's like, yeah, because they kill and maim and rape. They take (laughs) the freedoms and liberties away from others. I don't know why we should celebrate them. Um, but I, myself, I, I just love scumbags in movies who just are not all powerful. I love the scumbags that get beaten up, that wake up in a ditch, they go to the next town. Like I just, love, I love those are the ones that are truly free because they're not even coming into a sequence expecting to to win whatever like contest of aggression that they're throwing out there. It could really go the other way, man. This is just a, I keep repeating that point. That's like, I just want to see bad things happen to these characters. I just want them to get slapped in the face over and over. I was thrilled when I thought that dirty cop was going to like cut them up. And I was like, this, I knew they weren't going, it wasn't going to happen because we've got another sequel in the, in Cause, this. and he also, he goes too crazy. It's yeah. like, okay, now he's starting to take too much pleasure in the, the torture porn aspect of it. It was exciting to see Danny Trejo and, and DDP show up for a bit. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, but. I wish the cop had been, uh, Michael Rooker's character from Mallrats. That's what I wish. I wish <laughs> <laughs> and I wish one of the devil's rejects was just Brody, <laughs> just with long hair skating around in the desert 